And with that, welcome to another edition of Ivy Sports Weekly Wrestling Podcast, the Team Turnbuckle. I'm your uh, host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is my co-host, the man, Ronald Tinsley. Ronald, how you doing, buddy? Man, I am doing fantastic, Keith. Happy Easter. I hope you're doing well today. I appreciate it, man. I hope you are as well. Uh, spending, uh, get to spend some time with your family and uh, enjoy a holiday that, again, was like everything else recently in our lives, a little strange because of uh, the pandemic that's going on uh, in the U.S. But we're not here to discuss that. We're here to discuss the world of wrestling that keeps right on moving. Before we get started with the topics we're going to discuss today, I want to be sure to thank our sponsor, uh, my bookie. If you are doing a first-time deposit, enter the promo code IB Sports, and you will receive a bonus uh, on top of your initial deposit. We also want to thank uh, the IB Group. If you are not a member, uh, please join that on Facebook. We also have Instagram and Twitter pages that are must-follows. There's also a Patron All-Star membership that you can uh, join through. Ivy Sports, it's definitely worth it. You should check that out. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, the other podcasts we have on this network feed, please uh, be sure to follow the uh, podcast feed, rate, and review. Uh, But we're going to get started. We're going to go through the NXT, AEW, and SmackDown shows, but there's some other news that has kind of grabbed the headlines, And, and let's start there, actually. The first was sort of a surprising move. I guess not if you know Vince McMahon and his The Show Must Go On uh, motto, but it has been announced that WWE is going to start back this Monday filming live episodes of Monday Night Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. They will continue to do it from the Performance Center, but before they were doing tapes, uh, I'm assuming it obviously made, you know, more prep time, uh, editing, all that kind of stuff. And, and then more unfortunately, it's just obviously going to have a lot more people at the facility at one time. They could, they could schedule matches at different days. Are you surprised that they're doing this? And do you think this is a smart move by WWE? I'm not overly surprised that they're doing this. Um, you know, um, knowing Vince as we do, like you said, you know, things he's going to consistently keep the ball moving. And we didn't really know uh, how they were going to approach things following WrestleMania because we had, you know, kind of learned after the fact that a lot of it was going to be taped pretty much up until uh, the Raw after Mania. So it doesn't come as that big of a surprise. Is it a great idea? I worry about it, you know, for health concerns, but seeing as everybody will have different time slots, I think that they can still work it to the point where people 
uh, get to the, you know, stagger coming into the performance center instead of everybody just kind of coming in, get ready for work, and then just hang around until it happens. So, you know, I'm hoping that they're just going to take all the proper precautions. I mean, I'm sure that they are. What's scary about this is the fact that I know that it was announced this week that they had yet another person. This is not an on-air talent but another person within the company that tested positive for the virus. And, you know, not to be selfish, but I I actually think not even looking from a health aspect, but just from the fact that the show's not going to be as good live as it would if they could tape it. I mean, if you look at sort of the response to some of the Raws and SmackDowns and NXTs that we've had in the last month before they started taping them ahead of time and we're doing them live, compared to WrestleMania, which was completely taped. Uh, And I know that they're going to put more into WrestleMania effort, all that, but they've been kind of sloppy and not very good. And I think we both agreed on the podcast that WrestleMania, or earlier this week, WrestleMania was really good. I thought it was really good. For the circumstances, it was great. But just as its own, as a WrestleMania, I thought it was really good. And I'm worried that this is going to lead to – uh, you know, some really bad episodes of their weekly television, and then you look at AEW, who is their competition, who they're going to continue to put on shows, but they're going to continue to tape them from an undisclosed location, and I think the disparity is going to be large, and it's going to hurt WWE and the quality of their shows compared to AEW. Yeah, well, I can see it on both on on that end, but I can also see that maybe some of uh, the performers will um, appreciate going back to somewhat normal, being able to go back to performing live since this is what has been for them, you know, as long as they've all been performing. So I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm again. I'm not going to stop watching. So I'm just hoping that whatever it is that they do, whatever it is that they do uh, decide to do that, you know, they take all the proper precautions and continue to be able to put on decent uh, programming. I completely agree. I hope this doesn't backfire on them. And I mean that from a standpoint, again, we're not talking about here what I was just discussing of the quality of the show, but you know, if several people get sick or God forbid, the hell, uh, God forbid yeah. somebody, yeah, I mean, it, it could be a really dark mark uh, for not just the WWE, but for wrestling as a whole. So uh, there's some other really interesting stuff going on outside of the actual shows uh, in wrestling. One of those things, and, and there's a couple other, let's get into the big one, though. Ronda Rousey has stirred up a hornet's nest uh, in the last week. Uh, It started when a few days ago, I believe it was in a response to a fan asked why she had not came back to WWE or why she would not uh, be full-time. And she said, at the end of the day, I was just like, F these fans, dude. My family loves me, and they appreciate me. I want all my energy to go into them. Not surprisingly, a lot of wrestlers made some interesting comments, rebuttals, including... Uh, Nia Jax was one of the more, uh, I guess, real is what you want to say, where she said if she gets in a <laughs> ring with her, she's going to punch her in the face. Uh, it actually came out, though, that Ronda, and I didn't see this to right before we started recording, 
made another response where she said, anyone who is outraged by me calling pro wrestling fake fights or fun has never been in a real fight. While you all are tiptoeing around, bruising some pro wrestlers, huge soft egos, no one is thinking about the real fighters you're insulting when pretending pro wrestling is somehow on the same level of realism. Yes, I understand wrestling 300 days a year for years on end is incredibly tough on the body and a difficult profession, but do you know what would happen if you got in three real hundred fights in a year? You would be dead. Uh, you can take this wherever you want to go. What, what do you think about what is going on right now with Ronda and this rivalry with some of the other wrestlers uh, in the business? See, to me, this is nothing new nor surprising. I, for one, have been watching Ronda since she's broke out on the UFC scene. And I wanted to like her. I, I did when when I first heard of her and I, I saw what she did. I, I heard of her accomplishments. I wanted to like her. I could not like her. I'm sorry. I never liked her. And as much as I see when when she's with fans, when I see what she's with fans, I'm like, oh, my God, she seems like she's probably really nice. And she really genuinely seems to care for those fans who want to see her. Conversely, she couldn't un- she couldn't take it after losing in MMA. Like she took like an almost full year break from fighting because of losing, and that's because I feel Ronda Rousey has um, a light ego, especially for someone um, who's so mainstream. Now, I also saw that uh, Alexa Bliss had also had um, said something in response to what you were saying about the fake fight. And, and she had tweeted like, oh, I guess, this is, I guess, you know, this fake fight is why I was out for a year. And it was because Ronda held her wrong just doing a basic suplex. So I personally never liked Ronda. So this is, this, this is no surprise that would act this way and quite honestly I don't know if it's something that's trying to bring heat but and quite honestly I hope that it turns out that it does and that she's going to come back and I don't even care if it's part time because I hope she does come back and I've never been the biggest Nia Jax fan but I hope she gets a match with her because quite honestly I feel she deserves it like, I've never been a Ronda Rousey fan. I won't be a Ronda Rousey fan. I can appreciate her as a um, mixed martial artist and for everything that she's done for the sport of MMA and even women's um, sports entertainment. But nah, man, hell with that chick. So I, I could be completely wrong about this, but I think this is a 100% of work. I think this is a hundred percent Rhonda basically stirring the pot. She knows she's coming back. She's been gone for a year and she wants to draw attention. She wants to draw eyeballs because I think to a certain extent, her character got a little stale at the end of her first run and I think Rhonda is the kind of person that when she's in on something, she's all in. 
I, I totally do believe that when she first started getting booed, it shocked her, and she didn't know how to react. But there was interviews and also a flip in her on-air persona near the end of the Becky, you know, Ronda, Charlotte lead up to their WrestleMania match where I think she figured it out, where she goes, okay, I'm not going to be the face here. So the best way for me to entertain and to obviously make money, and that's by drawing attention, getting people to watch your fights, is to be the heel. Because she started doing some of this behavior and a lot of these comments before she ended her first run. Most of what she said is not that new. If you look back, she's made similar comments. It's just been either in, like, uh, I think one of them where she made a comment about fake wrestling was when she was playing a video game. But, you know, it got leaked and it went Mm -hmm, out there. mm -hmm. But she knew that. And she has tweeted some stuff. And the main reason I believe this is 100% of work is it is so not like WWE to have this many wrestlers responding to it when you're talking about wrestling being fake because they would not want this story to continue to grow and draw attention if it was not themselves that are basically controlling the narrative and wanting that to happen. And, I mean, we're up to like seven, eight different girls have made comments That makes me believe 100% this is WWE who is as good as this, anybody in the last few years of using social media to their advantage, and they've got a taste with the CM Punk storyline five, six years ago, and they have continued to evolve and get better at taking stuff that seems real, you know, that that line that they're kind of tightroping of, is it a work? Or is it a shoot? And just for me, when I've read more and more of this stuff, the responses, I I saw a report from Dave Metzler that she definitely has at least one more match left, that this is all on purpose to get eyeballs, you know, those ears listening, watching the product. And when she does return, it's a big draw, and you got to remember this is a time when Raw's ratings are down, SmackDown's ratings are down. This would be something that could kickstart WWE again, much like she did when she first showed up at the Royal Rumble two years ago, and I am 100% convinced this is a work, and credit to WWE, it has a lot of people fired up, and if that means if that is what it is, they are like, you know, the puppeteer pulling the strings and doing it fabulously, and that's going to lead to a great storyline when she returns. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And quite honestly, someone like Becky Lynch could really, really use uh, a Ronda back just to kind of bring that dog out in her again. WWE needs her back. I mean, the the – the women's division right now is not great, and I'm not. It's not because of the women superstars. It's the storylines, in my opinion, have been really disappointing. Absolutely, they've let Becky no, dominate right. for over a year. She was better chasing the championship, so her character has sort of gotten stale. And again, we'll talk about it when we get to SmackDown. They continue to just tease and wait on the Sasha Bailey storyline, which 
I agreed with both you and RC said on the podcast last week that when done right, it's amazing. And it may still end up being, but when the women's division is lacking right now, at least from a storyline perspective, and you have gold like they do, that was kind of what I was getting at. I hope they don't wait too long to where it kind of loses a little bit of, you know, the hype that it would have. And the attention, because right now I think a Sasha Bailey, you know, feud would be the story in WWE. Just like obviously, if Ronda comes back, her and Becky, I mean, that's going to sell. You got to remember they still have not fought one on one. They've only had the triple threat match. That would be a big match. I mean, that would main event SummerSlam without a doubt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, um, you know, the the boiling point for this is is really it's like. I'm literally peeling my eyes out to this, like, what, what are you going to do? How is it going to – just give it to me already. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I will give it to RC that, like, right now they are really just kind of, you know, reeling in that worm really slow to see if the fish will follow it and follow it before it bites. So uh, – you know, I, I'm hoping they're going to blow it out and that, you know, when we get to the next story, I, you know, actually, I was about to about to put the carriage in front of the horse. I, I just hope that, you know, <laughs> once it turns out, that it, it's really going to be fantastic. Well, well, we will see in the next couple of weeks what, you know, happens with this Rhonda storyline. But I just, again, Meltzer is a pain in the ass. He's normally right. He said – that she's having at least one more match, and there's just no way if she's still under contract, she's saying all this stuff, and it's getting all this attention, and all these superstars are responding if it's not with WWE's blessing. I just don't believe that, especially when she came back. Right. When she made that second comment, that was when I was like, okay, I am now 100% sure this is a work. They are getting the fan base into a frenzy. And if you go on Twitter, it's it's working. Uh, some other interesting news outside. No, you got one more thing you want to say on it? No, I, I was only going to say I'm not on Twitter, so I, I wouldn't know, but I'm sure the Twitterverse is uh, quite agog about all this information. It was trending for almost 24 hours, which is rare for a wrestling storyline. Uh, so the revival has officially been released from WWE, um, it does not take a rocket scientist to figure out that they are going to go to AEW. I we need celebratory really uh, noise. I'm sorry to interrupt. We need celebratory you need noise to, you because you should have. I don't know if I have any. You, 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 like, I have anything on the Like one of those. Let's see. Uh, let's see what we got here. Get ready. There you go. There's a little nature boy. Get ready for you. Uh, are you, are you excited about this, them leaving and going to AEW? I am totally excited about this. I mean, they, like we've already talked so much about how AEW is doing a great thing with their tag team division. And to bring in the worker-type uh, tag team like the Revival and uh, seeing what, you know, some – some fans are speculating about, you know, the possibilities of, you know, maybe uh, a heel turn by Arn Anderson uh, turning on Cody and taking these guys on. And it's like, there's so many things that they can do. And just knowing how these guys have a Where great style. Where was that style, um, that wasn't that wasn't a, a report. It's just I saw on a bunch of different uh, pages 
a lot of people have this thought. And I think I saw it was shared. I think it was shared as a tweet already. It's like, now that AEW uh, has been released, can it be announced that Arn Anderson is their manager now? <laughs> like something to that effect. And quite honestly, I don't. I don't even care. Just get them signed. Get them in. I don't even care who you're going to match them up with. If they're going to come in and immediately vie for the titles, or if they're going to have to go through a couple of teams, I honestly don't care. It's going to be exciting for these guys. And I just hope that they don't have problems with uh, any trademarks that they may ha- uh, want to want to bring with them. You know, I, I've said to you, you know, privately, I'm not, I have not totally got these guys. My issue has been that I've heard from basically the beginning, you know, comparing them to Arn and Tully, which to me that's like super high praise. High I admit, praise. I've seen oh, they, yeah. can go, I, I, they can go in the ring. I don't know if they're that level good, but I just have not been that interested in their their storylines, their you know the characters. But I am I'm interested to see what they do in a new place because they're going to have more freedom, I would think, with you know their characters, their direction, just be book smarter. So I, I'm not going to you know jump on this. I'm going to give them the chance to, you know, be what they are in AEW. And if they still disappoint me like they kind of did in WWE, at that point I will pile on. But until then, I'm I'm going to, you know, give it a fresh start. And I'm happy for them because it seems like from the dirt sheets and stuff like that, they've been unhappy in WWE for quite some time. So good for them. Uh, yeah, the last well, thing before we get you into know. No, go ahead. No, no go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. Because we don't need we don't need to go long. Because it was just another. Uh, I was just going to throw in that these guys were unhappy before they finally gave them their first tag title on Raw a little over a year right. ago. So the fact that they got two title reigns in the last year, it kind of showed to me that WWE was thinking about trying to keep them around. But then again, they're also kind of uh, tag tag team heavy. They just don't I use think they're it just- correctly. WWE seems to play keep away in that sense. And, and that's the shame where that they seem to like throw a bunch of money or give them a short, you know, and I'm not saying the revival, but just all wrestlers when they hear they're going to leave or are wanted by AEW. And to me, it's, it's not only selfish, it's stupid. If you don't think somebody's valuable, let them go. You know what I mean? Like don't try to keep them around. So the last thing on the, the outside of the cards and, and the weekly shows, and we'll get into that next, I just saw a report, and I just real quickly want to get your thought on this, that The Undertaker will be the American badass in any additional like future matches, uh, storylines, et cetera, basically meaning that it's the end of the dead man, uh, Undertaker. Are you surprised by that, or is that the right decision? Honestly, I think it is the right decision. Um, we're well past the fairy tales and, you know, Undertaker's not necessarily going to make people shake in their boots with the whole dead man routine anymore, even though, I'm sorry, a uh, six foot, 11, seven foot guy in all black right. probably going to scare the crap out of me. <laughs> But, you know, to other performers, putting him back on the bicycle 
and, you know, shafting the band on him. We'll make it better, especially considering how it seemed like uh, over this past vendetta with AJ Styles, he had been more talkative ever than, than the, you know, the dead man persona would be. So, quite honestly, it does make sense. So we're going to move on to each of the weekly shows. We're not going to go into great detail. We're just going to talk about things that, you know, piqued our interest. NXT was okay this week. Uh, I felt like that they had it flip-flopped, and it's obviously if it had been booked better, it would have been correct in the match that started the, the night and ended the night. But you had a really good women's ladder match for the number one contender, uh, Io Sharia. Is that how you pronounce it? Sharia? Sharia. Sure. She won she won the ladder match. She will face Charlotte for the NXT women's title down the road. Interesting thing I read about this and I think they have it all wrong is they they're looking at Charlotte as to face in NXT and to me this is a perfect opportunity for Charlotte to be the heel because she is the woman who the even heel. though she didn't need it she came down, took the belt, and is ruling over, you know, NXT. She is the wrestler who is given everything. She has the legacy. And, you know, NXT is kind of known as the brand that has the guys that, you know, are the journeymen or guys or women that are the journeyman women. You know, they, they work, they scrap, they claw for every opportunity. And I just think it's such an easy story to write. So, I mean, it is what it is. What did you think about the ladder match, and did they make the right decision with the winner? Oh, yeah. It was a great ladder match. A couple of the ladies, I wasn't sure as to why they should have been in there, Um, because when it boiled down to it, um, I was really looking at Candice LeRae and Io Shirai as the two that I saw had the best possibility of uh, putting on a great match. Now, mind you, Io Shirai... um, did almost beat Shayna a um, few months, I believe over the summer, came close to w- winning the, the championship. So from what they have left, and especially considering that they just took what I think is their um, best talent uh, in uh, Bianca Belair and moving her to Raw and Rhea Ripley, having her issues with being stuck at home right now, Shirai is, it does make the most sense, but it was a fantastic uh, ladder match, and I, I was very, very pleased. So then they ended the match, or excuse me, the the card, the show, with, you know, we've had so many good matches between Ciampa and Gargano. I mean, it's arguably one of the best WWE storyline feuds ever. Um, and I mean, Ever. I say that as somebody who's not as big of an NXT fan, but it just—it's been so great. It's had twists and turns. It was a really lame way to finish it, and I was really disappointed. I didn't think the match was that great. I—I I was baffled by the way that they booked it, and I'm worried this is going to give a, a a sort of a, a sour taste in people's mouths. So, again, what was a few that if they just left it the way it was, it would be better than have this match. Am I totally off base? Did you enjoy the match? Because, I mean, like, it really, to me, was very disappointing. Honestly, no. And I'm surprised because I I thought this was going to be one that we were going to bump heads on. But especially after what we had saw with um, 
the Orton and Edge match. Uh, I was expecting, give me something a little better. It was just like they were just putting on their own version of that type of match. And, like, I was watching it, and I was sitting here trying to take notes, and I'm like, I'm not seeing anything that's kind of blowing me out of the water. I mean, it was kind of cool, and it was different that, you know, the the commentary was simply whatever conversation the guys were having with each other or hearing the ref asking, hey, are you with me? Are you okay? Or so on and so forth. But they, they, they didn't, there was nothing there that wowed me. Honestly, the only thing that wowed me for like two seconds was thinking that Candice LeRae actually had turned on her husband. That was the only thing that right. wowed me for two seconds. And then other than that, I was like, well, this is how you you use a spouse to end the beef? Boo. And just such a lame way with a cup. Like that that's the right, right. The, the twist ending is she kicks her husband in the nuts but he has on a cup and then she kicks Chompa in the nuts and he I mean I just I was really just it was just so not NXT because uh they they typically are very good at not only storytelling but particularly in finishing, you know, storylines and they said this was it you know that's the way they built this up they they gave it the the main event you know uh you know time slot they they advertised it for i think a week and a half two weeks and it just was so disappointing and i just i just i was shocked honestly more than anything I can understand. I, I and honestly, I think part of it has to just do with with the situation of the of the um, the pandemic right now, the world as a whole. Because I think if this would have been just them at Takeover, doing a Takeover, I mean, right. forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. They could have probably did a similar match to exactly what they would have did, but something about them doing it live would have just had that oomph to it something just i don't know just there's something there was it was definitely flat for a gargano champa match it's to me and because they were their first match was my first exposure to actually starting to watch nxt uh, like three years ago and i mean just the storyline from the get-go you know tag team partners it just it was a shame so uh you know especially for you, I know, always is uh, people, you know, because especially Ronnie will give you crap about being an NXT mark. It just proves that, you know, <laughs> some stuff we like, some stuff we don't. Uh, let's move on to AEW. And then this week's uh, Chris Jericho is. And we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Doing it better than anyone else alive. If you listen to this podcast, you know how we are, both of us, on Chris Jericho. His commentary. This week on AEW was gold. And honestly, I didn't watch a lot of NXT Live because I could not turn the channel, not because of the wrestling matches going on, but just hearing Jericho be Chris Jericho, uh, whether it was, you know, calling Pineapple Pete a stupid idiot, I hate that guy. Uh, I forgot exactly what he said about Britt Baker. I mean, he he just is, like, seriously one of the funniest people alive, and he's gold on the mic. And it it reminded me a lot of how good CM Punk was 
uh, when he got injured, I believe it was like 2011 or 12, it was right before he really blew up as CM Punk. And he did a stint where he was announcing, and that was sort of when I realized, wow, this CM Punk guy is special. Because, I mean, when you can get attention from announcing like that and you're not taking away from the match, but you're just adding just pure entertainment, it just shows how wonderful of a talker you are. And we know that, like, talking is at least 50% of what it takes to be a great wrestler because that's part of the entertainment. It just it – was, it was a master class. Oh, no, I absolutely agree. And I actually had to write down a few things as I was watching because I was oh, still yeah. catching up. Hit like, up. Maybe an hour right before. And, man – he when he had used that, I'm like Abdullah the butcher. I'll use anything to cut a bitch. Lost <laughs> my my that crap was hilarious. Um, and his knowledge of not not only was he great as being himself and being witty and you know having everything, uh, just being able to drop one liners, but also the fact that he was able to talk about. Uh, the history of some of the guys, like during uh, the best friends match, talking about, hey, yeah, you know, this guy you did some stuff over in New Japan, you know, he was a common, like, he not only knows how to um, fill the air, but he knows how to fill the air with relevant information, like talking about the careers. Um, he talked about how one guy did a deep arm drag, like Ricky Steamboat, and did all that, but still being Le Champion all at the same time. Like, I don't, like you said, I don't want to be the guy that keeps coming on here every week and just tripping over Chris Jericho. But I can't freaking help it, man. This guy is just putting it down right now. And honestly, right before we got on this call, I wound up started. I, I started getting into a stupid argument because somebody had uh, put one of those "one must go" pictures, and it had Jericho, right. Eddie, Edge, and Jeff Hardy. And somebody dared try to say Jeff Hardy actually belonged in that picture with the rest yeah. of those guys. My, nope, I'm with you. That that was the first thing that came <laughs> to my mind. And and. Uh, I was and I was in the middle right before I was like, no, get your head in the game. We got to uh, like podcast. Time. <laughs> I was still in the middle of typing out a long comment like the person you should have compared to was Eddie if you were only going on WWE titles alone. But if you look at all of these guys' career, Jeff Hardy does not belong in the same breath as any of those guys. Back to Jericho. I'm sorry I got long-winded. He just keeps putting it down. Chris Jericho is just – like a year and a half ago, I wasn't even really that high on him. But ever since uh, this whole thing uh, of AEW emerging and then me starting to look back at everything he did leading up to now, it's hard to disagree that Jericho is definitely one of the best wrestlers of the last two decades. Well, I think we officially have our first, like, reoccurring uh, bit on this podcast. And when you hear this... And we're doing it better than anybody else alive! You will know we're getting ready to talk about Chris Jericho, because he is doing it better than anyone alive right now. Uh, 
we don't we don't have to talk about Cody beat Sean Spears to advance the TV title tournament. That was no surprise, so we won't go into that. Uh, I, I was really surprised to see the best friends get the upset over uh, Omega and uh, is it Nakazawi? Is that how you say it, Nakazawi? Nakazawa, maybe. I'm I'm not actually sure. This is my first exposure to him, actually. And it's it's just. I mean, Omega, we, we talked about last time we, we discussed AEW, they've started to build him the way that we expected to. It's, it's honestly, like, arguably the best guy, you know, in that brand. And so for the best friends to get that upset over him, I don't care if his tag team partner was a broom, that is showing that they actually do want to do something with the best friends. And, you know, I'm sure it helps that, you know, Orange Cassidy is associated with them. But it's oh, yeah. cool to see the rest of the guys get a rub. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, again, you know, and, and like uh, Omega brought up during the the show that he's one of the, you know, EVPs. So the fact that him, Cody, will continually do what's best for the entire organization and, you know, take losses. Like, yes, I'm glad that uh, Kenny is having the year that he's having, like as a singles wrestler, seeing that he's undefeated because, you know, we had talked about how having him continually, you know, be up and down and losing was just kind of strange for him to be one of the best wrestlers on the planet. But it's just amazing that they keep doing the right things to put guys over. And best friends, those, those guys are, they do work really well. I do like them. And the last thing on AEW I want to talk about, and just full disclosure, because, you know, I it's hard to watch so much wrestling now. I did not realize until this week who Lance Archer was. Uh, I had actually, I don't know if it was True TV or it was some channel that, I think it was this past summer, they were showing uh, New Japan, like, matches and pay-per-views at, like, 11 o'clock on Friday nights, and I got in the habit of watching them, and I realized that Lance Archer was who he was. I am now so excited about him being there, especially in AEW. I mean, he is a monster, Uh, and he plays the monster the way that old monsters are played, like WWE, WCW. I'm talking about, like, the, the Psycho Sids. And even Diesel, before he went to be Kevin Nash and then kind of came too cool for it, just so to where, I mean, he is the <laughs> biggest, strongest guy on that roster, like, right now. I can't wait to see him next to, like, Jack Hager and guys like that, because I think he's going to dwarf them in size. And he actually fights like a big man, but he can move and really wrestle. And I am now super excited for, like, the very soon impending Cody versus Lance Archer match. Yeah, like I, I, I've I've heard a lot of things about him. I, I actually didn't get a chance to see him in in JPW, but yeah, I've heard the buzz on this guy, and if if it sounds if if it's he's as good as what I'm hearing, then this is another great addition. And yes, very much looking forward to seeing him in matches like with Jake Hager, you know, Luchasaur, ooh, ooh him and Brody Lee. 
that should be interesting. I mean, probably won't happen because if I'm not mistaken, they're both heels, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not sure how that story would work out. But if, if, the, talent, if the talent matches the, the buzz, then it's going to be an absolute great pickup. And more importantly for AEW, the one thing that is rightly a concern, and they don't have a lot of size, they're slowly starting to get it. I mean, Brody Lee is a big dude. Obviously, Jack Hager is a, a bigger guy. He's not a, a big dude. But he's, I mean, he's, he's a pretty big man, especially in AEW. And, I mean, with Lance Archer, I mean, they're starting to get some guys that are going to look intimidating. And that's going to, again, make your faces better, your smaller dudes, because, you know, you're overcoming all the obstacles to beat a guy like that. And I just really hope Lance Archer – and I, mean, I know this is, you know, typical of New Japan wrestling, but it was such a physical style of match, you know, the, the strong style where, I mean, like the clotheslines and stuff that he gives, it, it literally looks like he takes a dude's head off. And I hope they can Turn continue to let him work like that. Yeah, because it just, it, it, it will be very interesting. And some AEW honestly does not have right now. So I, I'm really on board, and I feel bad that I didn't know who that was until just this week. So let's move on to SmackDown last, which was on Friday. And I got to say, I thought SmackDown was really good. Uh, we'll start with the Sasha Bailey impending feud. We, we've talked enough about, uh, you know, or at least I've talked enough about how I, I wish they would just get on with this thing. But again, they, they did a really good job of sort of, laying more clues of the 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 explosion that's going to happen between these two. Bailey came out, celebrated with Sasha, talked about how she's the best. I, I thought it was interesting that she, and I'm sure this was on purpose, she said something along the lines of, I beat every woman in, you know, the SmackDown division, and that makes me the best. And then she said, with my friend, Sasha, who's also the best, where, you know, there was that kind of moment where Sasha mm. sort of looked at her like, are you saying you're the best? And then, obviously, Tamina came out. We're not excited about Tamina. We, we've talked about that before. But they set up a match for Tamina versus uh, Sasha next week. Actually, Bailey set it up. Uh, Tamina wanted to challenge Bailey. Bailey said, you can challenge me. I accept if you beat Sasha Sasha gave her the look like, seriously, bro? Like, you know, this is a big woman. You're going to make me go through her. <laughs> Do you think that this next Friday, this match, is this going to be where they split? Or is this just going to be another, you know, piece of the puzzle coming into the pe- place, basically, of their, you know, impending uh, rivalry that's coming? I think that especially with the way that they're playing it, I think we're going to get one more piece where maybe Bailey winds up actually costing Sasha the match and wind up getting uh, this match with Tamina, thus kind of, you know, putting just one more straw onto the camel's back where, I don't know, I'm assuming Money in the Bank will be the pay-per-view that, oh, no, actually... That'd be kind of too far. That'd be almost a month from now. But wherever it is that they they actually get this championship match, I think there is where it's going to happen. Please do not allow Tamina to be the one 
to actually bring Bailey that would cheapen her reign so badly right now. Like, don't let that be. Like, I know we had talked about that Bailey and Sasha don't necessarily need the title to have their match mean something and be explosive. But, jeez, I hope they don't let Tamina be the one to actually beat her. I've, I've flip-flopped on that, by the way. They've now strung this out for so long that I, I think they have to have the, the title be part of it. I really do. And I actually think that there's a chance that Sasha just gets beat, uh, you know, this week. And Bailey is going to actually end up turning on her because they definitely appear to be leading towards a Sasha face, Bailey heel, you know, dynamic. And and they should, honestly, because Bailey has been so fantastic of a heel. I, I think she keeps getting better That's on the be mic. That's going to be an interesting dynamic. Each and every week. It is, because it's flip-flopping, you know, the great feud that they had in NXT. So, yeah, no, no. I, I think put, putting uh, Sasha's, because, you know, and, and you know, Sasha has been faced for a while, so it wouldn't be um, surprising. It's just with the, the Bailey be, staying heel would make it so much better. So the next thing that we're going to go over that, again, I thought was a really good segment was Miz and Morrison came out and they did their dirt sheet, which is their little promo interview thing. Uh, I still stand by they got to quit rapping. Uh, it's just not good. I know it's supposed to be like bad because they're heels, but it's just to me, it's like they're, they're, they're too good at talkers to make them. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? So, uh, they were like you could have wrote, you could have wrote something better. Exactly, they were interrupted uh, basically by the New Day and then eventually the Usos. I thought it was interesting before they set, and next week they will have another triple threat ladder match. Which I will give them credit that this now makes a little bit more sense of why they did the first triple threat ladder match being singles. Now that they're going to do it with the other tag team partners. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like that storyline now because I could see either the Miz losing the title and that leading to a Miz Morrison feud because you saw little bitty clips. There was just some brief moments of jealousy. I think Morrison was saying, I was the first guy to win a tag title by myself. And the Miz responded was, I was the first guy to win a tag team title match while I was on my couch. From my couch. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. So they, you know, I don't know if that's what they're doing or if they're – but I I do like how it's coming full circle where both of them are going to be in it. And, again, you're going to have The Miz, Big E, and Jimmy. It's going to to be a great triple threat ladder match. Do you think that they're leading to a Miz-Morrison breakup, or do you think that they're just trying to basically tie up this storyline and then move on to something else? I think it's the latter. I think they're just kind of trying to tie it, um, you know, put a nice little bow on the rest of this. Um, Morrison, uh, when he came back, it was such great timing for Miz to kind of pull a heel turn. This would be a decent time for him to kind of pull a face turn again and, you know, have him and him and uh, Morrison kind of go at it. It always did kind of seem like uh, the New Day and the Usos were ready to kind of 
pick up their uh, feud from before. And, you know, depending on who actually winds up uh, winning, you know, start measuring their penises and talking about who's won more um, tag titles. Right. So the the last thing I want to talk about, and I I'm so excited about this. So Braun started the SmackDown obviously as the new Universal Champion. He was confronted by uh, Shinsuke. They they set a match for the end of the night. I was really like disappointed that I thought that was going to be like his first feud. The match ends obviously Braun wins, mm-hmm. and then here comes the Firefly Funhouse music, and. I know a lot of people are sitting there going, well, wait a minute, what are they doing? Because Braun can't really lose. He just finally won a belt. Bray can't lose. He just, you know, lost the belt to Goldberg. He's just coming off his hot win with Cena. And normally, I agree with that philosophy. But you have to look at the storyline here. And I, I think this is brilliant on their, you know, the part. W, again, we give credit where credit's due. This is a full circle, I can't say it, a full circle story (laughs) where, you know, Bray literally brought Braun into his group, the Wyatt family, and that was how we were introduced to Braun Strowman. So it's only fitting that now when Braun is finally the champion, it's Bray standing there, especially when he is on this path of righting all the wrongs. You know, he beat Daniel Bryan who obviously had beat him before for titles. He, he he got his revenge on John Cena. And we know Bray and how he feels about the Wyatt family, and they never explained how Strowman left. Now, granted, it was through a draft, but there was no ending to that storyline. I am so excited about this. I hope this is a feud that extends for months. I don't care if they exchange the title back and forth. Obviously, you're going to have to have one of the guys go over in the end, but I think this is brilliant, and I think this is going to be the feud of 2020 in WWE. Wow, that's a, that's saying something, and you know what? You might be right. Like, I, too, uh, got caught up thinking, I'm like, man, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I was going to be happy that they were going to put it, that it appeared that they were going to be putting Shin in the title picture. I would not have been mad at that. I, I feel like that Shinsuke has been highly underutilized. Then after the match, when that happened, like I started getting giddy. I started, you know, doing that little bounce in my seat that kids do when, you know, you get excited. Cause I'm like, Oh, are they, are they? And once again, I felt vindicated because I felt vindicated with the Sonya Deville and Mandy thing that they finally brought that information out to light. Because I remember talking about that a few weeks back. Like, they right. never talked about it. And I also talked about why his Bray never mentioned he wanted his friend back. And he did. And so the whole vignette that he talked about, my son, it's time, and all that, I didn't know I was going to be so excited off of a SmackDown show. I am so totally can't wait to see what they're going to do with this. Um, I, I, I'm glad that Bray, uh, that I'm sorry, that Braun, actually both Bray and Braun for that matter, over this past year have finally been given their proper dues. And this is going to be 
something phenomenal, especially now that Braun has gone through such growth and he was able to actually exchange the banter on the mic. That was great to me. So yeah, I'm, I'm all here for this one. This is going to be fantastic. And let me just say, you know, I don't, I'm not somebody who's hyperbolic just to be hyperbolic. The reason I'm saying that there's several reasons. One is this is a new feud. And you don't see that in WWE very much. These guys have never fought against each other, ever. I'm pretty sure they've been on the same team, but they have never had a singles match against each other. That is exciting. That is fresh. You have two guys that are both very over. I mean, I'm always amazed, and that was part of the reason why I was shocked they never gave Braun the title. When when that roar he does, you know, at the beginning and his music hits, you hear it week after week. The, the crowd's the into it. They like, oh, yeah. they like Braun a lot. Obviously, we know how Bray's over, and I just think that they're two behemoths. That's always entertaining, especially when both behemoths can go in the ring, and like you said, they can talk on the mic. And more importantly, we know that even if the championship goes back and forth, it's two guys that are going to be there week in and week out. And it's not a part-timer. So, I mean, this could be the first legit world title feud, like, in a year and a half with the Universal title that is not going to be a deal where when one person wins, you don't see a match for the Universal title for months. And that in itself makes me excited. And I can already think about once Roman Reigns gets back, there will be a triple threat match at one point with those three guys, and we know the history between the three of them. They all have history with each other, and I just think this is a storyline that is set up to literally take them through the summer and into SummerSlam, and I just, I am so on board for it, and I just, I'm really glad they pulled the trigger because I think a lot of, like, it would have been easy to say do Sheamus or, you know, just anybody just to kind of let Strowman get his feet wet. And it's like, no, if you want this dude to get over, like let him wrestle the big names. And it wouldn't have made sense for Bray to lose the title and then not go back after it. It did make sense for him to want to fight Cena because Cena is Cena. He had got over Bray so much. It was WrestleMania. But once he beat him, it would have made no sense for him to go on to some other superstar and not go after the title. So the storyline makes sense. And again, I'm just excited. I think it's going to be a great, great feud. Me too. And, you know, we're, we're, we're always um, here to talk about when we feel that they're not getting it right, getting a story, getting a, a righteous feud. I think that they got this one a hundred percent right. And this is, this is going to be fantastic. Uh, I, I know I, I've, repeated that this is going to be really great though i'm really excited about it very excited it just shows you're excited man it happens uh so we will be back next week we're more than likely we've been doing two weeks because there's been so much going on if there's if there's some news and stuff that pops up early in the week or if it's a great raw we will do the same thing where maybe we do a podcast after all uh, and then do a podcast later in the week over SmackDown, uh, NXT, and AEW. But more than likely, if it's just a normal wrestling week, we would just do one podcast next week after all the shows are uh, over. 
Uh, in the meantime, definitely hit up any post in the group on wrestling with the hashtag Team Turnbuckle. And, Ron, now you want to go ahead and uh, plug uh, any of your stuff, buddy? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Ronald Tinsley. Get your uh, credit repair in order. Our goal this year, uh, 20,000 families for 2020. Get your financial lit. Let's chat. Awesome. And uh, just to let you guys know, myself and Alan, uh, the Backdoor Cover Gambling Podcast, we're taking a break. Uh, we, we tried to do a few podcasts early on. It's just too difficult without any sports being played for gambling purposes, but I can promise you as soon as uh, the gambling and the sports get back going, we will be back with weekly, uh, you know, podcasts. I, I'm both depressed but also excited about the majors and golf being moved to, you know, late summer and the fall. It's disappointing knowing I'm not going to get to see a major tournament, uh, you know, for close to a year. But it's very exciting to think that we're going to get three of them in a, basically a three-month period, and it's going to be during football nice. season. I mean, it, the fall nice. is going to be insane with content, uh, hopefully, if, if things you know progress the way they want them to. And uh, obviously, uh, RC and Alan are doing some great breakdowns on the draft. If you have not taken a listen to those yet, you need to. It's on this exact same podcast feed. They've been doing the top five prospects at each position. They've done quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. They are excellent. Both of those guys know their stuff. Uh, It's something that you can listen to to prepare you for the draft, which is in just a couple of weeks. So definitely check those back out. And like I said, me and Ron L will be back at some point next week with another team turnbuckle. Ron L, you have a great one, and we'll have a DX play us on the way out. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Peace, everyone.